knew what we were fighting for was way bigger than us specifically. And I also knew that it transcended our sport. And it was, I mean, it's 2017. It shouldn't be a topic, but it is a topic right now. And equal pay and equitable support for us. Welcome to Suiting Up Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Paul Rabel. And today our guest, I'm going to start by reading off her accolades. At Wisconsin, she was a two-time national champion, a four-time Frozen Four attendee. She leads all players in history with career points of 262, and she did so by missing an entire season. That was 09 and 10 when she joined Team USA in Sochi for the Olympics. She played the Olympics in 2010 and 2014, silver medaled in both in 2010. She was the youngest player on either the men's or women's hockey teams, and she also did so by finishing third in total points. So there's that. She's a seven-time gold medalist, a two-time silver medalist in the Ice Hockey World Championships, which are an annual event, and she's been a two-time MVP of those games. That's what I'm talking about. Hillary Knight is arguably the world's best women's hockey player on the planet. She's sponsored by Nike and Red Bull, GoPro, Visa, Chobani, and Deloitte. Impressive roster. She's even practiced with the NHL's Anaheim Ducks. Now, most impressive about Hillary... It's what she's done off the ice. She and her teammates just last year ignited change amongst women in sports, protested and lobbied against USA Hockey for equal compensation, accommodations, promotion, pretty much overall rights. Their efforts went viral. Actually, I remember being a part of it, along with other far more impressive people like Mia Hamm, Julie Foudy, Venus and Serena Williams, Kobe Bryant, even The Rock, Big-time influencers and celebrities. They used the campaign hashtag BeBoldForChange. It's still used on a daily basis. We talk about then what ensued on our show. Hillary is a groundbreaker. She's curious, driven, ultra-competitive. I mean, she hates to lose. She also tells us her career goal, which is after they go on for gold in the 2018 games coming up. I'm your host, Paul Rabel, and welcome to Suiting Up Podcast. This is a show where I delve into the stories of some of today's leading athletes, entrepreneurs, and entertainers, and my goal is to interview them and unpack the psychology of their success while giving you guys utilities to take home. Enjoy, Hillary Knight. Spontaneity is often the seed of authenticity, and lately I've been spending more time practicing gratitude to those who matter, who mentor guide, assist, teach, and more importantly, relate to me. And sometimes a short text or a written thank you note can do, but in this case, a bouquet of flowers can be the perfect way to let that person know you're grateful. Actually, last week I used our very own Suiting Up podcast code. Matt, am I allowed to do I hope I'm allowed to do that. I did. And I sent a carefully packaged bouquet of flowers in a long box, included banded stems, packaged soil, and a vase. And it was for a dear friend who just switched jobs which I know is always a nerve-wracking time. ProFlowers wants to help you surprise someone for no reason at all, while also surprising you with this very special deal for Suiting Up listeners. Get 20% off any bouquet of $29 or more. ProFlowers bouquets are guaranteed to stay fresh for at least seven days or your money is back. And you can control the delivery date. So to get 20% off, any bouquet of flowers of $29 or more, go to proflowers.com and use our code CROSS at checkout. That's C-R-O-S-S-E. It's the back half of La Crosse. Get it? Proflowers.com, code CROSS. Don't wait to make someone's day. Is this your first time doing a podcast? Yeah. 
It's awesome. Yeah, it's exciting. You've been all over New York the past day and a half. We were originally going to do this later this afternoon in a studio, and you're doing a commercial shoot, you're doing press, then you have a flight out back down to Florida. You're all over the map, which is a good thing, growing your sport. What have you been up to today? Um, Today I was actually with Chobani down in uh, Soho, which was awesome, uh, filming some content with them and obviously eating some great product. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a constant grind. And then now I'm going back to Tampa to join the team with our residency as we train for the Olympics. They're a big sponsor of yours. Huge sponsor. Um, it just, from a partnership standpoint, it just makes so much sense. And, um, the way that they empower their athletes and their employees, it's, it's such a spot on alignment. Yeah. Who are some of your other sponsors? I know we met at a Red Bull event. We yep. share that and GoPro and what, what else are, are you getting involved in? Because it's a tremendous way. We talk about it a lot on our show, particularly on the non-endemic side of your sport, right? We've had Angela Ruggiero on our, on our podcast, who's like the OG of, of women's hockey and what she's accomplished. And then audience knows the, the struggle in pro lacrosse, but the non-endemics, that brand alignment is really powerful. And you crush that category or categories. Yeah. I mean, I try to, Uh, (laughs) no, I mean, I think the biggest struggle came from college when I graduated, we were treated so well at the university of Wisconsin. Um, and then I had this sort of naive belief that it was going to be easy afterwards and then really scraping the ground for pennies to try and figure out how do I continue my career? How do I increase visibility in the sport? And the opportunities that came from that we're really these partnerships. So I'm extremely fortunate to be partnered with great companies, Nike, uh, Bauer, Chobani, Red Bull, GoPro, sort of the list goes on, but uh, Visa, Deloitte, it's just, it's incredible to have this opportunity, but I think for the next generation, for me personally, it's important to lay the foundation so it's not as hard for the next player to come up and have access to these. Yeah, and and you've got a great agency that supports you in Washington. I Kat was we, we were talking about this a while ago doing a podcast together, but then Dan Levy's a big fan of the show. We're sitting here with Mary, who's joined us, just kind of listening in. Um, and, and that's a big part, I think, for, for niche sport athletes, too, is, is finding guidance. I read an article how you had mentioned your transition from Wisconsin to pro, and you were like, you broke down in a parking lot because you were just like, gosh, I, uh, I was expecting to basically adopt the life of what I see on television and, and that be the NHLer, be able to make millions of dollars. And you're, you're now becoming you, you kind of by necessity an entrepreneur and figuring this out, but also forming partnerships. So how do you go about getting a deal with Visa and Deloitte? Is it just great, <laughs> great partnerships with great, great relationships with Wasserman? And like, how are you, and how are those meetings and, and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it wasn't anything overnight. I think yeah. that's the hardest part is I did break down to my mom and I was just crying. Mom, I can't afford to live out in Boston. Um, and she's like, well, you need to get a job. And I'm like, well, I don't want to get another job. I want it to be aligning with my training schedule and everything I want to accomplish in the sport. But um, really figuring out who I was and what my message was and being able to work with Wasserman obviously helps amplify my voice and opens a lot of doors and have greater access to different resources, but figuring out what my messaging was, was huge. And then how to partner and align with these different companies. Yeah. And you've done a great job of of speaking on behalf of first in your sport for equality across gender, uh, and that being equal pay. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but you've also used social media as a strong vehicle and active on Twitter, Facebook, 
YouTube, Instagram, what is your strategy and, and how do you communicate with your audience specifically? And has it been a learning process? It's definitely a learning process, continues to be a work in progress. Um, I think if anything, I want to give my audience or followers a behind the scenes look of what my life is like, yeah. but also a very natural look. It's not dolled up or by any means. It's, this is actually how I'm living. Um, so that's super important to me to have that organic messaging. But two, like, how do I empower people around the world? Um, and one of the ways that I realized how instrumental social media was was when I was going through these body issues, yeah. sort of body stereotypes of, oh, you know, I'm trying to put on muscle weight for the, for the 2014 Olympics. Um, and I was posting my weight on Twitter, and people were like, oh, my gosh, this is great. Like, you're trying to gain weight as a female. Yeah. Like, usually we're trying to lose weight. So um, I think then and there it sort of clicked in. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I have a voice, and I can empower people around the world. Was that a really vulnerable experience for you, having to you know, do those body issues and, and showcase what, what, is, what is very different traditionally for, for women in sports, uh, trying to kind of balance between what we see with traditional models and media. Um, you're a very beautiful woman, and now you may have people pushing back because you're exuding all this strength. Was it really vulnerable? Was it not? Was it better than you expected? Yeah, I mean, it was vulnerable. Um, I think for me personally, internally, you know, I knew I had a job to do, and I, I wanted to fulfill being a power forward. But, you know, we add on 15 or 20 pounds of extra equipment and we're out on the ice so we can sort of hide our bodies in many ways. But to to come to New York and have a meeting and maybe not want to wear a sleeveless top because my shoulders are big or my arms are big. Um, and to have the first comment that came out of the woman's mouth in that meeting say, oh, my gosh, what did you do for an arm workout? I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> so I think that external Support is huge because yeah. um, that changes the internal message. Yeah. What are your workouts like? Oh, it, we do full body workouts. Full it's body? crazy. Yeah. All the time? Or um, do you ever isolate upper and lower? And we do We do uppers and lowers, but um, I mean, I feel like I'm always sore, constant state of soreness, which is great. Yeah. So. You, you didn't initially start in sports as a hockey player. You were skiing and, and doing all the likes. How did you find hockey? And would you say it was later than others? And then going off the training, how do you become the best women's hockey player so quickly? It's wild, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, yeah. Looking for utilities yeah. here. No, I um, Well, I was born in California, and I was born into a skiing family. I mean, I was on skis before skates, yeah. um, you know, I think since I was two years old. And then for my dad's work, we had to move to Illinois, which posed sort of the geographical issue of not having uh, access to mountains. Um, so my mom, being an avid sports fan and tennis player and paddle tennis, she said, okay, you know, what do I do with my kids? And she was connected with a woman who told her to get us all on skates. And as soon as I, I got the skates on, it just, I, I couldn't look back. It was just such a dynamic and fast-moving game. And then I saw you know, the older kids play and the bags and the equipment. And I was just so fascinated by it all. And it, it's, it's crazy. I'm still living my dream. S similar to the challenge around doing the body issues uh, and potentially the, the, the pushback from, from showing a, a female that, that's gaining weight and strength 
for your job. Uh, your grandmother told you at one point that, that hockey isn't for girls. Yeah. <laughs> was that like really tough for you or was it kind of like, ah, shrug it off and, and I'm proving grandma wrong? Yeah, it was a shrug it off moment. Um, yeah. cause it's funny. So as soon as I fell in love with the sport, I turned to her when I was five and I was like, I'm going to the Olympics. And she pulled my mom aside. She's like, well, you know, you know, girls don't play hockey. And my mom said, get with the times. Hillary's yeah. going to play hockey. Yeah. Um, so to have such a strong role model and female figure in my life was instrumental to who I am today and what I'm trying to do. How, how important is it now? And how do you now being away from your family more regularly as, as an adult create a support system around you? And is that more team-based? And what would you give in way of recommendation or advice to other girls trying to go long in sports that may face resistance? Absolutely. Uh, you have to have a team behind the team. Um, and, you know, you see each one of us players a part of Team USA out there, and we're competing and we're striving for greatness both on and off the ice. But we have a support system um, that matches that greatness um, that a lot of people see on TV or on social media. I mean, the our parents who support us um, – our friends, our family, it just, the list kind of goes along. And then when you also have a room full of strong individuals that are there to accomplish the same thing, it's, it's extremely helpful. And, and women's pro hockey is kind of like, uh, pro lacrosse in, in that it, you know, we have lower wages traditional to the other sports. Uh, but the, you know, the, the, it's, it kind of skews in, in level of involvement from part-time to full-time again, looking at the big three sports of NFL, NBA, MLB, um, how are you able to, if anything, focus on yourself in, in your daily routine or is everything primarily team-based? Meaning are you getting up, you go into the locker rooms and you're training with the girls and, and you guys are getting prepared even in the off season or is there this like sole focus on Hillary Knight? No, it's all team. It's all team. Yeah, it's all team. Um, and I think, you know, when it's, it's crazy because you do see us in our own channels and our own platforms and whatnot, but we really strive for the mantra. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. Um, every single day I show up to the gym or the ice, you know, I want to be the best player on the ice or the best player in the gym, but that's because I want to be on the best team in the world and fulfill my responsibilities and duties to the person on the right and the person on the left in the locker room of me. So it's, um, it's a pretty cool position to be in, but I know as soon as the team's elevated, all of our voices are elevated as well. When you're in the locker room with the team, is there certain things that you guys do to stay loose or get fired up for games? Or like, what are some things behind the scenes? I mean, the music's like huge. Music's yeah, huge. Yeah, huge. What's uh, what's in right now? What are you guys playing in the locker room? Oh my gosh, um, <laughs> a lot of different stuff. A lot of different stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's um, it look like? I don't know if I want to share. Yeah. <laughs> we got some Caribou Lou going on, some throwbacks. Um, no, I mean, we like to keep it loose. Um, it's sort of this calm before the storm mentality. Um, we have fun, but we're extremely competitive. Yeah. So if, if you might see a snapshot, it looks very lighthearted, but yeah. it's sort of underneath. It's like this calm intensity as, as someone who's adopted social media really well and and again behind the scenes you and i have texted back and forth on strategies and stuff given that you're you're one of the one of the first and partial due to timing but the other part doing to, to interest to really hold a screen and show this behind this behind the scenes uh look to your audience 
has has have the players or teammates gotten used to that? And is that you know I I would have got to imagine there's a little hurdle you have to get over. I had to. A hundred percent. I think at first it's like, oh, you know, where's Niter? Like here she is with right. the camera. But now it's like, oh, Niter, like we need to take a selfie. Like yeah. get out in front. Let me You're get the best your selfie. Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think it was this growing process. I mean, I even remember being on the bus and Angela Ruggiero back in I don't know what year before the Vancouver Olympics said you need to get Twitter. And I was hmm. like, why do I need that? You know, it's limiting my characters. I have Facebook. I yeah. really don't need that. She's like, no, no, no. You'll thank me later. Um, and sure enough, I'm thinking Angela Ruggiero later because yeah. that was huge. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really cool, as you said, to sort of be an entrepreneur in the space yeah. and figure out all the technologies and how you can communicate with people everywhere. Have you seen Richard Sherman doing it now more lately? He has a deal with uh, Samsung through the Players' Tribune, and he's now taking uh, his phone through the locker room. And at first, it was, it was him just speaking. It was kind of, you could tell he was in a corner on his own. And now... All of his teammates are getting in, the content's getting richer. It's just, it's one of those hurdles you just have to get through with your peers where they're like, uh, what are you doing? This is uncomfortable. This is not traditional to how a team sport athlete shows themselves. You usually have to be at a press conference and, and answer questions like we see in the NFL and the NBA. And the reality is, is that's changed, especially for more of the alternative team sport players like, like ourselves. Now, when you go to the Olympics, which you've played in two, and the 2018s are right around the corner, as are lacrosse and the World Cup. For some reason, I don't know. Maybe this is a question for Mary. Why, are, <laughs> why does everyone world championship or Olympics and World Cups, why do they all overlap? You guys probably really dislike that. Uh, but because from, i got to imagine from a sales standpoint, it's difficult because you're trying to get the visas and the Deloittes to, to, hey, let's spend over here with Hillary. This is going on. And, and despite the World Cup going on and we're going visa and Deloitte, come with us, the lacrosse. Anyway, yeah. you guys, uh, two-time silver medalist heading up a, against Canada. What is, what is, talk, us, talk to us about the Olympics. What does that mean and what's that experience like? Oh, it's a dream come true. I mean, to be able to compete on the world stage – represent your country i mean it's it's everything you imagine as a kid um i think the, the coolest part is that i'm still able to do that and come to the rink every day and train with amazing individuals and go out there and just have fun and play the sport that i love um, what's unique about this time through is especially with what we went through in the past um, spring with equitable support battle there's just something innately different that's in the fabric of our team um, that just makes us so much stronger and empowered. And the room has never been this powerful before. Um, and knowing that at the end of the journey, we want to bring home a gold medal. It's mm. been 20 years since we had a gold medal. Um, so it's sort of like the stars are aligning, the right people are in the room, it's the right culture, and the time is now to bring back a gold. It's sort of gold or bust. Indochino is making it easy to get a perfectly tailored suit at an incredible price. Allow me to tell you my experience this past week. I subwayed into downtown Manhattan and found my way to 424 Broom Street, which is one of Indochino's locations, and was greeted by a wonderful tailor. His name was Chris. Hello, Chris, if you're listening. The fabrics were all lined up. The colors were lined up. Chris educated me on the different customizations of the suit. He even advised me on what would work for my event. And in this case, I'm attending a few nonprofit functions this winter. Actually, one of them is my foundation. It's called the Paul Rabel Foundation. That event is on December 7th. Tickets, paulrabelfoundation.org. Anyway, the experience was amazing, and Chris had me dialed in, feeling really comfortable, which is sometimes difficult to do with an athletic build. 
And like me, you can choose from hundreds of top quality fabrics and personalize your suit just the way you want it. I did that. You can place your order and then wait for it to arrive in just a few weeks. And with suiting up, my listeners can get Indochino's best deal ever. At $359 for any premium suit when you enter the code RABEL during checkout. $359 premium suit, premium experience. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure suit. Plus, shipping is free. Therefore, Indochino.com, promo code RABEL. Any premium suit, $359, free shipping. Indochino.com, promo code RABEL. And enjoy. Thank me later. It's interesting. Uh, I've never shared this with you, uh, but in 2014, we lost to Canada as well in our final. And uh, we had arguably one of the best teams to have suited up in our sport. Uh, we were beating, a, beating everyone by a healthy margin throughout the tournament. And Canada had a great game plan, and they, and they played us well, and they ended up winning. Um, in, in your guys' case, Canada came from behind in the final four minutes in 2014. And it was a really devastating moment for you, as it was for me. And you, you cite this, um, this moment at a Lake Placid U.S. hockey event where you were inspired by the next generation of athletes. And, and that reinvigorated you. And you've played a massive role. And everyone heard in, in my intro to this podcast all of your accolades and stuff like that. But you're a leader... Um, and, and you're an activist as well. But what was that moment at the Lake Placid event that, that allowed you from coming off that loss in 2014 to say, I'm ready to go back at it? Yeah, um, I had a break. I was actually coaching a separate camp at the same rink, and I had a break in between ice sessions. And I walked up for the famous 1980 Olympic rink and mm-hmm. just sat in the stands and looked out on the ice and saw the younger girls wearing the jersey and the way that they were moving the puck it was just so whimsical and um, beautiful for me to watch as a hockey player and right then and there I, I, I fell in love again with that with the sport yeah and you felt like hey I'm, I'm a mentor to these girls and Absolutely. they looked up to me and yeah. and then and then you have the world championships which is an annual event which, by the way, I think lacrosse should have these annual events at an international level for the reasons that you guys do. And you've won seven golds, two silvers, multiple-time MVP. Uh, but the, the moment that we were all um, uh, you know, kind of gravitating towards and impressed by was, was one that you led in, along with your peers um, around equality, particularly across the gender alley um, in in amongst the compensation from USA Hockey. And you put out a tweet that said, U.S. Women's National Team will not play in the 2017 World Championships due to stalled negotiations over fair wages and support from USA Hockey. And then there's the hashtag, be bold for change. Mm-hmm. We'll start at first, because I, I want to talk this through. This is fascinating to me. But you guys were successful in lobbying the support of your peers. So other pro athletes, influencers, entertainers, and, and, and it became this big groundswell that went viral. Is that what you expected? Um, I didn't expect the magnitude of it and yeah. to have all these other voices externally. Um, I knew what we were fighting for was way bigger than us specifically. And I also knew that it transcended our sport. And it was, I mean, it's 2017. It shouldn't be a topic, but it is a topic right now. And equal pay and equitable support for us. But 
um, I was just really relieved when we could just go out on social and say, this is what's going on. This mm -hmm. is how we're treated and it's not right and help us find a solution. Was, was there anyone in particular that kind of sparked that conversation and said, Hey guys, enough, like let's, let's, let's stop here and protest this. Yeah. I think just collectively there's a group of us that's been around for eight to 11 years and every single conversation, whether it's at the coffee table or the meal room, wherever it was, these issues continued to come up and it took us about 10 years to put the right people in the room to create the right culture to be able to do this. Cause you have to be extremely vulnerable to each individual because we're all fighting for our spot on this team, let alone it's going to be the Olympic tryout a few months later. So there's a vulnerability factor, there's a trust factor, and there's also sort of that empowering factor and making sure that we're all passionate about the right cause. We talked about support uh, from your family and then your teammates along certain causes. This is fairly close to home for us, and I got to imagine other uh, alternative sports, is that were the coaches supporting you in the front office? I mean, obviously, Team USA Hockey uh, had their stance, but were you getting support from decision makers, as you mentioned, you know, with the Olympics coming up and those who are making the cuts for tryouts? Was there a lot of friction as well? Um, no, we actually tried to distance ourselves in a way because they're right. employed by our national governing body. Gotcha. Um, so we didn't want anybody sort of in the line of fire in, in the middle. Um, but we figured if we took care of business, we were paired up with a great law firm, Ballard and Spar, who also helped out the 99ers yep. um, back in the day. So we knew we were in great hands, um, and they were really the ones that were instrumental in guiding us through the new terrain. Yeah, I think you guys were wonderful in the way that you approached it. There's usually two ways you look at conflict. It's personal and then task conflict. And this was nothing personal. It was just, hey, this is, and, and perhaps that's the way you were able to bifurcate it. Like, this is uh, an obstruction of, of our rights uh, from you know X, Y, and Z, which I've kind of broken down in three parts. I want to get your opinion on, but that probably helped in, in in way of continuing to maintain relationships with coaches and and folks that were employed by the organization. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, there were the, the key issues we wanted: better programming during non-Olympic years, um, more access to visibility, increasing marketing, and uh, PR opportunities. And then we also needed funding to help us continue to train and compete at the level that we want to represent our country at. So um, really narrowing it down to those things, not that they're narrow categories by any means, but making sure it's more so about those objectives than, um, you know, combating our national governing body, so to speak. Yeah. And, and so the ask specifically um, was to USA Hockey, equitable support uh, as the Ted Stevens Amateur Sports Act. Um, so there was like the task and the direct uh, alignment. And then specifically, you had asked for equitable support in the areas of financial compensation, which you end up getting in, in a 2K monthly stipend. Uh, youth team development, which goes back to that moment in, in after the 2014 Olympic Games where you got to watch the, the next generation of players. So that was really, that, was, that stuck out to me. Equipment, travel expenses, hotel accommodation, meals, staffing, transportation, marketing, and publicity. So this was all stuff that, that you guys were just getting shorted on. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what about on, was there any animosity from, from the men's side? Um, I think whatever animosity that was there, it was from not understanding the situation and not being educated on sort of what we were trying to accomplish. Because once um, we explained 
And I remember making, you know, dozens of calls, kind of reassuring what our what our motives and intentions were. Um, they were like, oh, okay, like I understand it now. So there's a lot of miscommunication and um, releases that were sort of combative and a lot of misinformation out there. But once you can kind of cut through that and really get down to what we're trying to accomplish, it made a lot of sense to both parties. Keep, keep in mind, too, for the listeners, how, how you, you think about compounded interest in, like, you guys aren't being treated equitably, but then on top of it, to, to be able to potentially be treated as such, you have to double down and do all of this work. You mentioned dozens of calls and lobbying and meeting with lawyers, and all of that goes uncompensated for as well. 100%. So it's like, <laughs> holy shit, we have all this time we're committing to this, and, and, uh, and, we're, and then there's uncertainty of whether it's going to get pushed through. Yeah. But yeah. ultimately, $2,000 in training stipend on a monthly basis, bigger monetary prize pools for meddling, travel and insurance provisions equal to the men's, High performance advisory group at women's and youth levels. That goes at youth development standpoint. Mm-hmm. Are you are you pleased with that? What does the advisory group consist of? Um, that's something that we're. It's sort of a work in progress right now. Gotcha. Um, obviously, I understand things don't happen overnight, but I think for me personally, as a player and as a leader on the team, um, as a member of you know that group. Things need to happen faster, um, especially because this is one of the easiest years to market us because it is an Olympic year. Mm-hmm. And then also, what is our plan moving forward after the Olympics? So what are we doing now and what are we doing later? Um, and not to mention a lot of the things that we fought for. Like, granted, they are going to help us out right now, those of us who are on the team, but it's really for the next generation. It's setting a standard and a, a marking point in the sand. Yeah, and that's going to be a big part of your legacy Here's, here's where it gets really difficult. This, and as you mentioned vulnerability, this feels like the, the most, and so we've done the crescendo leading all the way up to it. Uh, but why it's hard, I think, is that there's this notion that putting on a USA jersey is an honor and thereby like there shouldn't be compensation for athletes or, or don't ask for too much, beggars can't be choosers, all this stuff. And, and I know as well as you, it's, it's an honor. And this is where you have to... Again, separate the task versus the, the personalization of it. You guys wrote, put it on the USA jersey represents the culmination of many years of hard work and sacrifice that reflect our love of both hockey and country. In making these requests, we are simply asking USA Hockey to comply with the law. So I thought that was, you know, that's, that, that was the last piece, but it's probably the most difficult one. And I, I was following uh, comments, especially on Twitter, which you've adopted well. And, and there's always folks that are just being like, stop complaining, mm-hmm. right? You get a chance to play in the Olympics. I would love to be there. What people don't realize is like, hey, just as much as you get a job promotion and get equitably compensated, just as much as you interview for a C-suite position for a big executive company, you get compensated equitably. Like all to, to do that requires a lot of hard work and sacrifice your entire life to reach that position. And it is absolutely no different in sports. All that hard work and sacrifice, if, it's, if we're one-to-one here, which we are, and, and often in many industries, sports is, is far greater in, in, in and when you position revenue, Olympics could be another conversation. Probably need Mary to, to chime in here, but 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 like the compensation needs to be equitable, should be, and frankly, from my position, if an organization 
uh, says, well, we can't afford it. Yet at the same time, they're bringing on sponsors and they have full-time staff and they're rolling out events and things. Then like you either need to change the model or not do it. And if you don't do it, doesn't mean, hey, Team USA isn't going to submit, but let's just go back to, to the old school way of, of us pounding the pavement and fundraising on our own. But if there's a governing body in place and they're ignoring the rights of the players, especially when money's in and out, and then it's not just sports or looking across the uh, what the what the men are doing? You look at what other governing bodies are doing, particularly Olympic sports. Um, so, did you, did you find that that was probably the hardest conversation of all of it? Is like, hey, how do we shrug the folks that are telling us we should just be grateful? A hundred percent. And I, and I think that that post really sums it up. I mean, it is an honor, but at the same time, there are many many years of hard work that go into being in that position for people to see that moment of greatness. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was tough. I, I stopped reading some of those comments because I'm like, this is, they don't understand. They don't understand what goes in. How do we educate people on what goes into being an Olympic athlete, an elite caliber athlete that represents their country on the world stage? There's so many other things that are in the same mix of bag. Yeah, and you guys are doing a, a ton of great stuff um, uh, you know, outside of the, the ice hockey world championships and the Olympics and the tour that you and I were talking about before we started recording was the time is now tour, which is a collection of six games, six games against six, Canada, six games, U S versus Canada. So what hockey and, and women's hockey specifically done is said, okay, the, the most, you know, I, um, the most eyeballs are, are on the international level as is with any sport. And then you have college college and international unless it's a traditional top-down like the NFL so the strategy around that I think is right um, how do you feel the the tournament has gone and and, the, and and just the overall operations of it yeah well we're on the US side we're one game in we've played two games against Canada uh, the first game went beautifully well yeah. and the last game not so well it was we didn't play the greatest <laughs> they, they were kind of like counters of each other right yeah and interestingly the first game was in quebec right mm-hmm. and you guys kicked their ass yep and then the next one was in boston so you guys are like swapping geographies in canada won that one absolutely um it was so tough i mean whenever you're in front of your home crowd i think even more you want it um there's just that much mm-hmm. more pride so i think for me i was i was extremely embarrassed we couldn't show our hometown what we're capable of. Um, but the greatest thing is it's happening now. We get to figure out what problems we had, how to solve them, and move forward. You guys played the, the last game in Boston. It was a sold-out arena. You just feel a bit like the, the 99ers right now? A little bit, yeah. It's, it's great. Um, I think especially Boston, because a lot of us have roots there, um, just in the, in the grassroots development They've done a great job of activating the youth and bringing in a lot of the local teams to that specific game. And, um, you know, there's players in the hallway when we were coming back to the locker room. And it was just, it was so cool because I remember when I was that age and how awesome it would be to have access to your role models and to see U.S. vs. Canada live. That's game changing. Yeah. Now, what about how you handle, how you cope as, as a high performance athlete winning and losing, going from winning big to losing big, or even just by slim margins, what's your process like when you leave the ice and go to the locker room? And Yeah, I, I hate losing. Yeah. Um, it is just a thorn sort of dagger through my heart every time. It doesn't matter if it's a small ice game in practice yeah. or if, it, if I'm 
decided that I'm going to try to beat somebody to the door. I mean, yeah. I just hate losing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super competitive. Yeah. But, um, you know, when you're on your world, when you're on the world stage representing your country and it is us versus Canada, um, losing stuff. And I think that's what makes winning that much more sweeter, um, and enjoyable. Mm. Um, would you say that losing lingers more with you than winning? Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. still like, I still feel the Boston game. Um, yeah. you know, I, on the flight here, that's all I was thinking about was running myself through different situations and figuring out how can I get better? I'm going to be in this situation again. Yeah. How, how do I do that differently? Do you lose sleep over losses? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. Definitely over, over the Sochi loss. That was tough. I mean, yeah. we just, we were the better team and we let it slip through our fingers. Yeah. What do you, what did you get your competitive nature from? Um, do you know? I, it's a tough yeah, thing. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> I think just being an only girl in a predominantly male sport, um, having three younger brothers, I'm the oldest one, you know, really trying to put them in their place when we were growing up yeah. and rough housing and stuff. But I wanted to be a good example for them. And yeah. I thought being a good example was being number one. Yeah. And do you think that you're, you're, you've like fueled the fire over time as you've tasted more success, even through high school and, and in college and now professionally is it like, wh when are you going to you know, what's next? What's next is like, I want more and more. Is that the mentality or is it more present in the moment? Like we just want to be, I, I want to be my best and I want to you know, accomplish what I set out to do for this match. Yeah. I think it's a delicate balance between the two. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a process and you can never look past the process cause you'll, you'll miss the journey. Um, but every little thing matters. And as I've grown older and been around the sport longer, um, I've realized that every single detail matters and yeah. that's important. And I've realized how hard it is to continue to come back um, as well as how hard those successes are. Like how do we repeat success? Yeah. It's difficult. It's, and, it's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. More difficult to maintain success than it is to achieve it. And I, I, I realize that that sounds kind of trite and insane in and of itself, but, but why we see so few repeat champions and why dynasties across all sports are just held above any other one-time champ. It's so hard to repeat because so much in winning is up upstairs in our minds. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's, and I think too, like the, just the the feeling that you get from having that success and being able to share the last victory with everyone who is a part of the journey. Um, I think that's sort of the high that I continue to chase, and that's why this elusive gold medal at the Olympics is just we need it. We yeah. need that tangible success to share it with everyone who's supported us. Is, is the Olympic um, moment that's approaching, is that where all of your energy and focus is right now? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's goal or bust. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, day, every single decision I make, it's like, does this get us closer to winning a gold? Does this help me fulfill my role on this team better or worse? Yeah. Um, so when you, when you talk about time and compensation for all that, I mean, those are a lot of decisions you're making outside of the ice and outside of the gym that are going to help impact you. I think that's really good advice. I was sitting down with the captain of Johns Hopkins lacrosse uh, last season. His name's Joel Tinney. He's Canadian. Uh, actually, it makes the story odd here. But he, he was asking me, you know, it's so grueling to go through you know, six, seven months of practice. And then you have these seven home games, seven away games in college and you can be tired. You can be fatigued. We're young and, and, uh, coaches are demanding and every day can almost replicate the, the previous one. So he goes, how did you, how did you get yourself to perform 
at a high level, even when there's doubt, whether it's exams for college students or fatigue or muscle soreness, as you mentioned. And where I landed was similar to what you said there. And, and, uh, you just know what your goal is. And so, you know, and you just said every decision I make, I almost calculate, is this going to help me win this gold medal in advance? And I think that's fascinating because it takes a lot of discipline, but it's also, you're, you're also very focused. Um, and, and my guess is that those are two core characteristics of being successful. What maybe are some others? Oh boy. I, I think you hit it right there on the head. Yeah. Um, I think consistency kills. Yeah. Um, if you can repeat that behavior and build on that behavior and evolve, um, you know, I joke around, it's sort of ride or die. Like you're, you're either going forward or you're not. Yeah. Fight or flight. You had, you, you said you, you were the youngest, you had older brothers that helped build your competition. Uh, in 2014, you practiced with the Anaheim Ducks. You skated with the NHL team and, and had a great showing. And then so much that the coach at the time was asked, and he was like, it, you know, if, if Hillary can play in the NHL, he was like, well, if she skates this well in practice, has that ever been a thought of yours? Or, or will we ever see you pursue that maybe after the Olympics? Yeah, actually, I think uh, that's, that's sort of the next thing on the list. Um, wow. I'd love to crack the NHL roster for a game. I mean, that, that in itself would be a dream come true, but I think in a lot of other ways would be empowering for so many other reasons. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, at a high level, I know your days are, are, can be inconsistent with all the travel and everything that you're doing, but in an ideal day, what's your daily routine like? Ideal day, wake up, have breakfast, because yeah. I love food, and you should always eat breakfast. But um, we Do you are- have any nutrition uh, advice or do you just kind of eat well and yeah, you just got to go with what works for your body. I mean, yeah. what works for me isn't something that would work for maybe Mary or you or yeah. whomever. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, making sure you have the adequate nutrition, um, in your plan, but that, and then go to the rink, um, get to go skate for a few hours off the ice. We have a couple meetings, maybe some video and then go to the gym and just pump it out, pump out some workouts and, after that, I'm going home, you know, trying to figure out, you know, sort of the entrepreneurial side and yeah. how we're going to move the needle and push the sport forward or answer, you know, interviews or whatever it may be. Um, recovery techniques, whether it's I'm in a norm attack or I need body work for massage or rehab. Um, and then, yeah, I get to wake up and do it all over again the next yeah. day. You like the, the norm attack boots, any other devices without like, giving sponsors in there. <laughs> like, <"Stop> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But you do, uh, you do massage work and massage you, work. Cairo or Oh, Cairo. Definitely. Uh, needling. Um, I got into dry needling actually at the last Olympics. Um, huge supporter of acupuncture. It just works wonders. Um, you know, there's different recovery and rehab exercises that I've really tapped into recently that I just feel 10 years younger, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, a, not that I'm old, but no. it's still great to <laughs> feel like you're a kid when you wake up. <laughs> what, what about sleep? Are you striving to get a certain amount of hours of rest a night? What, what's the protocol here? So sleeping's tough because that, that takes the most discipline, I think, because yeah. there's always that show you want to watch or you want to scroll through your you're phone. You're a big Game or, of Thrones fan, right? Love Game of Thrones. <laughs> like staying up late, you know, watching Netflix. Like whatever it is, um, HBO doesn't matter, but, um, yeah, I, I need to say, okay, like I need this extra hour here to go to sleep. So yeah. I have, you know, the seven or the eight hours. Seven or eight. So. And what about the best place to follow you on or multiple platforms and how can we tune in to the next event, uh, yeah. and track you guys as you continue to 
go on your road to the Olympics? Yeah, um, so the Time Is Now tour, it will be on NBC Sports and I think uh, NHL Network and TSN. Um, and then When's the next match? Oh, boy. The 3rd December of December. 3rd. Yeah. We have a, a tournament coming up. So you got up, some time. But yeah. 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 So, um, and then social channels are always huge, you yeah. know, encourage everyone to follow along, yeah, follow we'll our teammates. Yeah, get everyone to follow know? Hillary. <laughs> the, all of her handles will be in our show notes, like all of our guests. And uh, it was awesome to have you. I know your schedule is super tight. Yeah, thank but you. But we covered a lot. And you've done some amazing things, not only for your sport, um, but, but for gender equality and actually encouraging people across human interest to pursue their social equalities, their social interest. And, um, if there's a way that, that people are, are interested in, in how do I pursue this, I'll have links to, to everything that Hillary and her teammates did on behalf of team USA hockey, and then potentially, um, links to the law firm that you guys use and everything else. Cause all of that stuff is, is not Diff, is not easy to pull off and, and, um, just really, uh, really happy to sit down with you and thanks for sharing everything with us. Yeah. Thanks for your time. If you enjoyed Hillary and my conversation, please be sure to continue it with us on social media. My Twitter handle is at Paul Rabel and hers at Hillary Knight. Be the first to listen to future episodes as well as catch up on previous episodes, including my one-on-one conversation with New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick. Coach, congrats on the win. Entrepreneur and investor Gary Vaynerchuk, Scott Galloway, Venus Williams, tennis star, Drew Brees, NFL stud quarterback, and Jeremy Lin, NBA guard. There are many, many more. You can find all these episodes and more on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your pods. Shortcut to our show notes, including all of Hillary's links, her social media handles, as we mentioned, businesses, other athlete lists, news and headlines, you can visit suitinguppodcast.com. We welcome all of your feedback there, as with all the other shows. And a shout out to our show sponsors today, ProFlowers and Indochino. Thanks again, Chris, for the setup on my suit. Please be sure to support them the way you've so graciously supported this show. And then I look forward to suiting back up with you this time next week.